Hi there, this is Clark Terry here, reminding you to pull your bearskins a little closer to the fire. That's it. <laughs> now you're talking to hey. Ah, watch out for those snapping sparks. Everybody cozy? Our good news is that you're in time for the humble farmer. You've worked hard all day, and you deserve to relax now. So stay right there and listen to the best of this kind of music. I woke up this morning, looked all around my room. Shadow boxing Mr. Blues. I said, good morning, Mr. Blues. What you doing here so soon? Oh, that's the early grief. I knew it was the blues, because I felt awfully bad. I knew it was the blues, because I felt awfully bad. Felt like I lost all the best-looking gals I ever had. I come from New Orleans. Down in the old southeast. I come from New Orleans, down in the old southeast. If you see a red coat there, it's the cross-eyed mountain police. Oh, call the law. When I sing the blues, I think I'm like the grown-up. And folks tell me that is a colossal boner. Someone declare I say, solid as Mr. Bing. I say the thing. When I get jabbing, it drives away my blues. Just jam and jive, drive away those blues. But nobody digs the kind of talk what I use. I'm on, yes sir. So let's get playing and make things jump for joy. Start swinging, swing, give out that old Floyd Floyd. Cause right here we promoted to the hard polloid. Then, Mr. Winkston, you better grab your horn and blow it. I've got it. Professor Winkston, grab up your horn and blow it. I got two of them. Blow away your blues and solid make me know it. Should have been Wingy Manone here on The Humble Farmer. And this week's makes, this week marks the 37th year I have been making this Humble Farmer radio program just for you. 37 years ago this week. I can't believe. I don't know where 37 years went. As you know, the claim that Eskimo languages have an unusually large number of words for snow is an idea widespread, first articulated by the anthropologist Franz Boas. What I didn't know when I recently read about this is that Boas also had a Ph.D. in physics. I didn't know that. And I also just learned that Margaret Mead and Edward Sapir were two of his students. Anyway, do you know the Inuit word 
the Eskimo, that's Inuit, you know. You know the Inuit word for deep snow with a thin but strong icy crust that catches the tips of snowshoes and pitches white men to the ground like bumbling fools? <laughs> a friend asked me that question because I knew the answer intuitively. Ted Weems, you have heard me say that I have attended several of the solar workshops given by Dr. Richard Comp. You might have seen some of my television shows where I actually show you how to solder the solar cells together and laminate them on a piece of glass. Perhaps the most difficult part of the entire process of making a um, PV panel is cut in the 45 degree angles in the right place on the aluminum frame so they'll fit together neatly. You might agree with me that the person who cuts those pieces with the hacksaw has a much 
more difficult job than a surgeon who performs an operation. Think about this. If you don't cut those pieces of aluminum so they fit together right, everybody knows. Williams. Because I love my wife, Marcia, the almost perfect woman, she has the ability to say unkind things that cut me deeply. On Saturday, I was able to buy a new jacket at a lawn sale, because they were also selling a large box of Moliere and Tolstoy in the original French. I figured I was in good company. I put on the jacket, fit. Oh, wonderful fit. And I asked the woman, how much? $2.50. I didn't quibble or hand out two bills and ask, will you take $2? But I shelled out $2.50 like a man. You can imagine how excited I was when I got home and put this new jacket on so I could show Marsha. With my hand on the doorknob, you can see me doing this, with my hand on the doorknob, I threw back my shoulders sucked in my gut, tried to pull up my chin, and I hopped into the room like a banty rooster. My wife looked up 
She smiled with delight, and she said, Wow, that's a wonderful jacket. Now stand up straight so we can see how you look. Thank you. 
Stan, Stan Getz, Jerry Mulligan, Oscar Peterson, here on the Humble Farmer, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Thank you, thank you for listening. Having only one body, I have only one sport jacket. Ask yourself this question, what man would need more? Why would you need two? I bought a new sport jacket for $2.50 at a lawn sale because my regular jacket was, well, it was getting a little shabby with the lining hanging in tatters. But the other day, when I got a new one, I took the old one out of the closet to throw it away. I noticed that it was in wonderful condition. And when I made mention of it, Marsha, my wife Marsha, the almost perfect woman, admitted that she had sewed it together. I could see it wasn't, well, just as just like new condition. So now I have two jackets. You can see that this presents a problem. Never before have I had to make a decision about what to wear while emceeing a Dave Rowe concert. A peculiar sort of a gal With a heart that was mellow Around good fellow, babe, was mine Oh, pal Your trouble, sorrow, and death She was always willing to dispose of me A wild sort of fellow But then all that devil was mine Sounds 
Dum 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 dum. Clarence Williams, my gal, Sal, which you do not hear on the radio all the time nowadays. Do you have friends? Do you have friends with so little to do that they send you at least one and sometimes five emails every day? Or write nonsense on your Facebook page? You remember well the story about the little shepherd boy who cried, Wolf, wolf, wolf. People would rush out to save him and his sheep from the wolf, but there was never any wolf there. One day the hungry wolf showed up, but nobody paid any attention to the little boy's cries of wolf, wolf, wolf. So the wolf ate him up and had his sheep for dessert. Could not this politically incorrect story have a parallel today in all the emails you get that are singularly devoid of content? You know very well that when they do send you a real message, you don't bother to open it. On the other hand, my friend David up in Washington, Maine, is usually right on the money, and here is a sample of David's email. Never corner something that you know is meaner than you. <laughs> Would you agree that that is excellent advice? Never corner something that you know is meaner than you. But of course, if every man took it to heart, wouldn't it eliminate the institution known as marriage?
Clark Terry doing mumbles in German and Italian here on The Humble Farmer, where, with any luck at all, you can hear me playing old-fashioned music just for you every week at this time. Love to hear from you. I am the humble farmer at gmail.com. We have talked before about how becoming aware of something for the first time practically ensures that we'll see mention of the same thing the next day or two days later. It was only a few days ago that my friend Jeremy mentioned Scatman Crothers. I'd never heard of Scatman Crothers before. And then later, while checking out Janet Leigh in Walking My Baby, here is Scatman Crothers again. Walking My Baby Back Home was the title song from the 1953 film star and Donald O'Connor, Janet Leigh, Buddy Hackett, and, <gasps> yes, Scatman Crothers. Walking My Baby Back Home is featured in a Columbo episode I've enjoyed twice within the past year. And you've got to admit that Scatman Crothers is a name that you're not likely to forget in one week.
Capra on the aisle. Oh, Capri dressed in style. Oh, Capra walk a mile all over that aisle. Oh, Capra, what you done to me? Oh, Capra, can't you see? I want you to swing with me on the aisle of Capri. Cause you done brought me down low to low. Patches on my pants, you took all my gold. Listen to me if you like to know. The one to swing on your island and more. Oh, Capra on the aisle, all dressed up in little style. Listen, little trumpet, bear with me and knock me off the aisle of Capri. Have your kids ever done something that you wish they hadn't done? Did your daughter get drunk and smash up a car? Did your son meet some voluptuous girl who got him to join a cult? Did your daughter put a ring in your granddaughter's nose, or did she just punch holes in the poor little child's ears? Do your children get so much sun you know they'll have skin cancer by the time they're fifty? Did your son join the army where he'll earn thirty thousand or so a year and risk having a leg blown off? When he could have signed up with the mercenaries and gone to the exact same place and had his leg blown off for a hundred and seventy thousand dollars a year? Some elderly guests at our bed and breakfast once told me that their adult children now generate more trouble and worry than they did when they were toddlers. I've never had kids. I didn't know about this, so I was interested. So I asked them what their adult kids did. I was told, They have children. They borrow money. How can your children have such good genes and such a good upbringing and still do such stupid things? Or am I talking about your next-door neighbor or your cousin and not you.
Marty Page, P-A-I-C-H. They were at it again the other morning on television. They were talking about diets. What kind of diet is best? Ooh, you know what kind of diet is best. <laughs> yeah, the kind that makes them the most money. They'll sell you pills, they'll sell you fancy food so you can lose up to five pounds the first week. Hmm. They talk about carbs. <laughs> Captain Freddy didn't believe in germs, and I don't believe in carbs, unless they're bolted gasoline engines. I don't know the names of the different diets, and I don't want to know about carbs, because I'm not going to go on a diet. Diets are for people who don't really care if they lose weight or not. They are the folks who think that if they say they are on a diet, they will lose weight. You hear them say, you know who we're talking about here, they say, oh, I can't eat that because I'm on a diet. And then they go home and sit on a couch before the TV and munch on this and that for three hours before they go to bed. They might even eat candy. They're like the woman. Listen to this. They are like the woman on television I heard one night as I was brushing my teeth. I heard it with one ear. This woman said, I have three kids, so I don't have time to read, so I joined a book club. I still don't read, but belonging to the book club makes me feel a lot better.
Red Terry. Thank you for listening to The Humble Farmer. With any luck at all, I'm here every week at this time, right here on your favorite station, playing old-fashioned music just for you. I am thehumblefarmer at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. And you've heard me say this before, but I'm going to say it again. When I went to the Public Radio Program Managers Convention in San Antonio, Ten or so years ago, I gained six pounds in three days. If I were the executive director of the American Pork Producers Association, I'd find out what they put on those banquet tables down there at the Riverwalk. When I came home from Texas, I was 175 or so pounds, and I couldn't stoop over to tie my shoes. What am I going to do? Concern me. I stopped eating cake, pie, ice cream, cookies, donuts, sausages, and bacon. And I don't mean I cut down. I stopped. Other than birthday cake and custard pie at two memorable birthdays, not one crumb of a sweet for ten years. I even felt sick when I ate that birthday cake. This anything in moderation doesn't work when you're talking about ice cream and chocolate cake. I do not get any more exercise than I ever did, and I eat as much spaghetti and rolled oats and bread as often as I ever did. You know that I don't I don't eat candy, I don't drink soda, I don't drink beer, and it goes without saying, because that soda porks up kids, and because everyone knows that beer is famous for putting guts on even young men. And... Because I have cut out the evil sweets, I weigh around 150 pounds instead of 175 pounds. Losing weight has nothing to do with dieting or anything in moderation. Anyone who wants to lose weight, as I did, simply cuts out sweets. 100%. 100%. And Mother Nature does the rest. Come on now.
didn't think that was a hot pepper. I am proud of my slim, trim waistline, as any old man should be, especially when he hasn't had any ice cream for ten years. One night, up in our bedroom, just before I put on my pajamas, I walked down to the foot of the bed. My wife, Masha, the almost perfect woman, was sitting up in bed reading a book. I turned sideways. I sucked in my gut. Of course, that gave me the profile of a 65-year-old kid. And I said, ahem, ahem, ahem. My wife looked up. Her eyes opened wide. Her book dropped in her lap. And she said, wow, I've got to trim your eyebrows. time to get out of here. Thank you, thank you for listening. I appreciate the fact that you take time and spend it with me here. Thank you. Again, 
You've heard me say many times that I read Harlequin romances in several languages. For the past few years, I've been working on Italian. Studying languages is a wonderful hobby because it doesn't cost anything. You can do it anywhere. And it goes without saying, of course, that I've never read a Harlequin romance in English. Harlequin romances in English are trash reading. The same book in a French translation, however, is magically transformed into world-class literature. Because Harlequins are written for people with a grade school vocabulary and education, they are ideal reading for beginners trying to learn another language. You've heard me say this often, some of them are funny, they contain nothing, some of them contain nothing that you would be ashamed to have your grandmother or granddaughter read. I have yet to find one that was not full of instruction for the reflective mind. Écoute. While reading a Harlequin romance in Dutch one morning, I realized that although it helped me maintain my linguistic skills, the plot, the story, was just the opposite of what one finds in real life. In Harlequin romances, we find two beautiful, perfect people who want to live together, but some silly, unspoken reason keeps them apart. In real life, two beautiful, perfect people would like to escape a tedious, uneventful marriage, but some silly, unspoken reason keeps them together.